Welcome to the One in the Shiba podcast with Susie and Ed. Who? Do I normally say Suja? Yep. Yep. Take two. <laughs> I was like, who's she? Who's that bitch? Welcome to the One in the Shiba podcast with Suji and Ed. Sorry, do it again. Not ready. Welcome to this. <laughs> I don't even know what it's called anymore. So about to say, welcome to the Shiba podcast. <laughs> Hi, Shiba. Welcome to the One in the Shiba podcast with Suji and Ed. We're just two Asian Americans talking shit about shit. I'm so tired. How are you, Ed? <laughs> Not as tired. That's good. You're lucky. That's fantastic. <laughs> Emotionally exhausted. Yeah, as usual. I think yeah. we're all in that state of mind right now. Yeah. I'm also physically so tired. But you know what? I'm here for the people. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, not much happened, I don't think. I bought plants. I, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I, I think after last week when you were like, I killed this plant. I think I, I was so like, bad. I was like, I want plants. And I think I, I did it for my mental health because um, normally... I like need plants for it to feel like home, mm. but because my house has been so cluttered, I think I didn't because of the rat the, thing. Yeah, Did you yeah. guys take care of the rat thing? We're done. Yeah, with we the got rat. Take, is, is, we is thought it, it was taken care of. So like we moved everything out of the pantry. So our house is in complete disarray right now. Cause like everything. I feel is, like it's been that way for a while. It sounds it has like. Been. Oh my God. It's been like three weeks. Oh my God. And like, um, we thought it was over mm -hmm. and then we were finally starting to clean everything and start real. Like I threw all, all the pantry shelves are like ordered new ones, bought like all these containers to like organize it better. And like, just in case anything happens again, like everything is covered. And then all of a sudden, two days ago, oh Ron's leaving to go somewhere and he texts me and he goes, um, one of the rat traps outside under the house has been set off by a ginormous rat. <laughs> and then the next day, which was-, was it there, was it dead? Oh God. And then two, two days so ago or yesterday, Ron was in the kitchen and the hole nope. that the rat's been coming through, we left it open because the, the exterminator was like, you want it, he's like, we want it to come through so we can catch it and kill it and get rid of it. So we left it open and Ron literally goes, um, a mouse just poked its head through the hole and stared at me. And I was like, God damn it, no. So I- I, I just see Ron like, uh. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, is it a mouse or a rat? He's like, I think it was a mouse, but I don't know. So I texted the exterminator. He's like, sorry, I have the flu right now. <laughs> He's like, I'll try to get over there as soon as possible. And I'm just like, I just. This is why you should get your flu do. shots, people. People need you. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I don't know what to do. So our house is in a bit of disarray. Oh, God. I don't even remember why I started telling this story. It was just a, how was your week? I don't even think I asked, to be honest. <laughs> Wait, wait. It was just a, how was your week? I said, I'm tired. You said, you're tired from all the cleaning. Oh, wait, right. So plants, right. Oh, okay. yeah, plants. <laughs> We're back to plants. Plants. So because the house has been in such disarray, I didn't even notice that I took the plants outside a while ago. Mm -hmm. And like once they're outside plants, they're not inside plants anymore for me because I'm terrified of insects. Oh. Bugs, you know? And like once they get in the soil... They could have laid eggs, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't want to bring that stuff inside. So I bought new plants. You're just going to let the other ones just die? No, no, no. They're just outdoor plants now. But I don't think that's how that works. They've, they're okay. Okay. They're okay so far. So okay. I bought new plants. I, I, this is the lady that killed a fern in a week. You know what I mean? So don't <laughs> yeah. don't look at me. What the fuck do I know? I'm or like fern. not the best with plants, but I'm not that. I'm bad. terrible. My mom has like the greenest thumb ever. I have no concept. My mom literally was able to keep... Was it annuals that you have to plant every year? She somehow it's in the name, so it sounds like. <laughs> she's been able to keep annuals alive for like 10 years plus. So she's got like this crazy green. Farm. That's crazy. Like, no, my mom too. She has like a full like farm in her backyard, yeah. like with like rows of actual like crops and shit. And I'm like, I could never, I, I, I wouldn't even understand. No. I, I have no concept of how to keep them alive. I got overwhelmed raising one basil plant. Dude, I have a, what is it called? A, what is it called? The desert ones? Cactus? Succulents. Oh, succulents. I have succulents in my house, and I'm like, the only reason you're alive is because you're of the desert. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to tell me that you killed succulents. I was like, do you know how No, that's like that impossible. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's why. Is? I'm like, it's the only way. I can, the only plants I can keep. So, And they're the coolest. Yeah, I love them. They're yeah. beautiful. So. I realize that I have a type for plants, and it's like alien or dinosaur plants. <laughs> like, I bought this Monstera plant, which kind of is like a you know dinosaur plant, and then this other plant, which 
I forgot what the name of it was, and I'm probably going to download a plant app just so I can look it up. <laughs> but it also looks like a dinosaur plant, you know? You're getting so, super into it. Good for you. That was majority of my week outside of, um, you know, still dealing with the family stuff. I had a, Any new developments? No, I had a um, TV show interview yesterday, though. Daily Beast Live. Oh, that's funny. It's something that I feel like you would tell somebody like me that's your friend. But yeah, okay, what? <laughs> I didn't tell anybody. Daily Daily Live Blast. Yeah. What's that? It's Daily Blast. <laughs> Daily Blast Live. It's, what is uh, that? It's a daytime talk show. Like on network television? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Maybe cut this part out. It's on network television. There was like commercial breaks and stuff. And it, it was just like a five-minute segment. I just didn't want to make a big deal about it. Someone reached I out. I don't want to make a big deal about it, but I'm just going to go on national fucking television <laughs> and talk about it. That's a big deal already. I, I mean, I didn't want to make a big deal about going being on there. TV. Okay, yeah, got yeah. it. Got so um, it was through Zoom, so I didn't. I wasn't there. there. Okay. Um, but someone reached out to me. They saw my my TikToks and they were like, "Hey, we would love to showcase you or whatever." Um, so yeah, it was just like a quick five minute thing. They talked about it. Wished me luck. Um. The woman who did the behind the scenes to prep and stuff, she at the end was like, if you need a Jewish mother, Aww. she's like, I'm here. And I was like, thanks. That's really sweet. Yeah. I was like, a lot of people have actually been telling me that. Not the Jewish part specifically, <laughs> but like the family part. You yeah. Know? Oh, I bet that's been really nice. Just like an outpouring of support. Yeah. I've seen, like, I've read comments and stuff, and I've seen a lot of really nice people there saying some really nice things. And that's that, that was my biggest takeaway from it is just... Um, not realizing you had all this other support, you know? Yeah. But there is one other thing that I've been kind of panicking about this week is um, I recently read articles about my family, and I didn't know that my grandfather passed away at such a young age. He died when he was 48. He's the one that started the, the company. Oh, really? During the Korean War. And I believe he passed away from cancer at, like, 48. Like, my dad passed away from cancer at, like, 48. And I just turned 40... And I didn't know, I, knew, I mean, I knew my dad passed away at a young age, but I just kind of chalked that up to, like, he was an alcoholic who smoked a lot of cigarettes, you know? So, but, like, now I'm like, oh, no, I think this is hereditary. Nope. And I think I only have eight years left. That, I mean, don't go so dark That's so quickly. Okay. That's where I've been. You also have to remember that, especially considering the circumstances around generations before ours, especially in Korea, like, wartime there wasn't a lot of you know there weren't there weren't cancer screenings like you could get screened for cancer right now yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and i'm sure your your father Hopefully. didn't do any of those I things it doesn't so. sound like yeah. so let's, i don't think they knew to yeah. yeah well on your 49th birthday i'm gonna send you a big cake and be like Ta-da, you did it you're gonna be okay you're, you know, we're gonna yeah. you know and you're just scared because like, i'm my, 48 and i was my, like my life i hope this is not yeah. through osmosis well, my life just kept like flashing before my eyes i was like oh my god i have eight years to find a spouse get married have a That's child and a raise lot. until they're 18 a years old lot. i was like oh my god oh, I I was like, there's not enough time no pressure ed just it's okay <laughs> we are not our parents now i'm sweaty we are not them we yeah. we we can do we can do things yeah but there was like another piece now that i'm like now i need now i need to know more about my family it's very health. coincidental yeah. but you can actually find out about your health without necessarily it's needing true. them anymore yeah, you so know advancements after the panic this morning i was like oh i really just need to start getting screened for all the things yeah tomorrow is there a thing i keep wondering like, i think i asked my doctor a couple of years ago like uh, maybe I'm just thinking too futuristically where you just like walk into like a scanner. They say, scan you for everything. Check your blood and yeah. like the oxygen levels and you're, like you're. Are there any tumors in my right, brain? Right, exactly. Cancer, I'm like, is which... that a thing yet? And I'm like, I bet it is. I just can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> like just drain half my blood and use it for all the tests. Which is fine. Yeah. Right, exactly. I don't know. I don't Bill think it exists. To but... That guy over there. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> But how was your week other than being tired? You had a huge tournament. Well, it's because I'm tired because of my week. My daughter had her second volleyball tournament. And I don't know how many of you out there are sports parents. But as Lots. a sport parent, yes, I'm sure there are. You all, you, you know, it is a tremendous effort on everyone's part. We were up at 4.30 Saturday morning, had to drive, you know, 120 miles away. Is that right? I don't know. A lot of miles away. <laughs> so many fucking miles. Like all the miles away. And then, you know, she played volleyball from 8 o'clock in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. 
drive home, go to sleep, got up, and then we had to leave again at one o'clock for her other tournament, which is another, you know, 65 miles away. But they didn't tell you where the location no. of that second tournament so was. So you don't know where you're going yeah. until after you the first day. Get your shit together. No, but I think it's because it's like in pools, right? Yes, so it's like yes. however you finish is however you wherever you go the yeah. next day. And so, you know, as as the parents, you undertake a lot you know what I mean because you're out of the house for 12 hours you're driving on the road for you know multiple hours at a time you have to figure out like the schedule for the the playing and then the food and where in the, when are they going to eat what are the breaks like you know so you, it's a really coordinated effort and it takes a lot you know so well, also trying to coordinate as their coach the team and how to win well wins. I'm not the coach for this oh you're not oh no no I'm her school coach this is club club is different oh right yeah, 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 yeah. her school season is over this is for her club, yep, 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 which yep. is so intense. And you go out there and it's hundreds of people, six courts going at once, so many little girls with high ponytails. I mean, like, it is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so crazy. And like, you get kids from all over California. And it's, it's really funny. My daughter made this observation and she's like, is it, it's, she said, it's interesting to me to look at the demographics of the team. And I was like, say again? <laughs> she's like, all white. Well, no, no, because you get kids from all over. So like in, oh. you know, teams from like San Diego, you'll get a certain demographic. Teams right, from East LA, yeah, different yeah. demographic. There was one team was all South Asian girls. Another team, it looked like they were all Samoan girls. I mean, you know what I mean? So she's like, and she's like, I, she's like, is it, is it racist to notice? I'm like, no, it's not racist to notice. You have eyes. It's just an observation. And I think it's actually a very astute observation. Yes, you're going to get kids from certain demographics to play certain clubs because this is just kind of like community outreach. Yep. And how, you know, but her team, she's like, I'm, I'm really happy to see how diverse my club is. Because her club really is. So there are, you know, white girls, East Asian girls. I think there's Southeast Asian girls, mixed, you know, biracial girls. You know, there are, there are I think, are a couple of black girls. There is, you know, Hispanic. Like, so it's really diverse. Her team is really diverse. So she was really happy. Like, she's like, I feel really good being on this team of, like, so many different, you know, types of girls and I was like that's really awesome it's awesome that you would notice it and she's you know she didn't cast any judgment about it she's just like trying to make an observation and trying to be like careful about her observations and I thought that was really cool to like be able to have a conversation with her about yeah so um but yeah so you know it's it's exhausting but it's it's so fun god it's so fucking fun it's so exciting. There were times where I'm like trying to like film her and I realize I'm squeezing my phone so <laughs> tight because it is so intense. It is so fucking intense. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's so fun. And I think it's it's something so exciting and like yeah. we really have connected over it. It's like sometimes I real I don't realize what, when I'm doing something intense and I'm like, oh, I've been holding my breath because it just almost passed out. No, totally. Yeah, you're right. Like, or like, I'm like, how long has my tongue been out? Because yeah, I'll be like, yeah. I'll be like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, thinking yeah. really hard. I'm like, oh my God, has that been my face for how long? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's been a fun weekend. I'm just, I'm just fucking tired. I'm so tired. I feel like the tongue sticking out is less <laughs> worse than the face I make when I'm thinking. Less worse is so better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's the face? I make this face. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I like. Were you trying to smell your upper lip? Yes, like, yeah. that's what it is. It gives me some sort of like comfort. I can't reach it. And I've been doing it since I was a little kid when my grandmother was still alive and she passed away when I was 12. Yeah. And she always used to be like, oh, you're making, she used to be like the tak tonkumongi or she used to call it the, face. the chicken butthole face. She's like, you're making a chicken butthole face. Wait, I have to think about what a chicken butthole looks like. Oh. Like a normal butthole? I don't know. No. I don't know what a chicken butthole looks like. Because a chicken butt has like the little like Why tail piece. Well, because I've dissected, I've, my grandmother killed chickens in our backyard. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And I've cooked whole chickens I before. I cooked whole chickens. I've never looked at but, their butthole. Well, then think about the back of a chicken butt, right? When you, like imagine it flipped over. It has that little like knob in the back. Oh, so I thought that was for their tail. Well, that's what I'm saying. So is she talking about like how your nose comes down and covers the I butthole? Think she was, you're getting no. so analytical. Well, listen, these are your grandmother's words. I want to honor what she said. So your mouth goes like this and your nose comes down like this. So picture it. Look, it looks like that. Chicken butthole. She was absolutely right. I don't huh. think it was Look. I don't think it was that deep. I mean, listen. But yeah. I I know your what your grandmother meant. I wanted to get to the bottom of it, no pun intended. But I make this face. That looks like a chicken butthole now that I think about it. 
<laughs> and it's funny. I'm not the only one that does it. I sometimes see in public and I just want to be like, ooh, you. But I don't Maybe wanna... don't scream, chicken butthole. Yeah, that's, I won't. I don't. <laughs> but sometimes in my head, I'm like, ooh. Ooh, chicken butthole I'm face. I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> I'm no, I mean, you th- still are, <laughs> but now there are additional weirdos. So let's make sure we get that all, you know, worked out. Better than this, though. Oh, no, no. Worse than that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're going to segue right into the advice. Oh, yeah. Speaking of, though, with all of this. Speaking of. <laughs> speaking of. Yes. Yeah, non sequitur. Speaking of all of this life experience. <laughs> Is that the segue we're working with? Okay. Uh, okay, I was going to go with, we don't know why. <laughs> yeah, because of all of this amazing life experience we have, people sometimes write us asking for advice. Listen, I'm not saying it's a good idea, but people do sometimes write into us asking us for our advice or thoughts on certain things. Wait. Speak for yourself. I feel like I give decent advice. My whole life is in shambles, but I'm really good at other people's lives. But the thing is, is I feel like giving advice in a way like this is we don't often know what the outcome of the advice is that we've given. So we might think that we're giving good advice, but we don't know that in practice it actually was, is what I'm saying. I I, I think I'm good at giving advice as well. Um, But again, I don't know if it always works out. Yeah, fair. Meh. I feel like Meh. I'm good. I feel like I'm pretty good at advice. I feel like we're good at advice. Um, I feel like I'm good at giving advice. I'm not Same. always great at taking advice, yeah, to be honest. Have... So when people ask, I will always, of course, be open. So yeah, so people do write in to us every once in a while um, asking us for our advice, and we are happy to give it. We I do want to preface this by saying we are not professionals in any field yeah. that should garner any either of us giving advice. But we're gonna do it anyway. Also, so please not take- all of these are directly from. No, writings. right. Of Some course. of them are sourced from the internet as well. But yes. <laughs> we're just gonna give unwarranted. I also am always just interested to see what somebody else would say in such circumstances. Yes. So I'm always interested to see what Ed's yeah. advice would be on. In yeah. Situations. So not only just ours, but if you think the your advice is different than the ones we're giving, feel Tell free to us. let us know in the comments. I would love to know. <laughs> Most of you are probably gonna agree with me though. We might not differ, you <laughs> psychotic freak. <laughs> God, why is he like this? Always so competitive. So, so toxic. weird. This is my toxic trait. So toxic. I'm so toxically competitive. <sighs> Go. Okay. This one was written. Okay. To Wait. us. Okay, here we go. Hello there. My name is Jules. And I have a question about whether or not something is disrespectful to Asian culture or considered appropriation and not sure how to address it to my boss. Oh, that's awkward. I wondered if you'd be able to help me, and I apologize if this isn't the form to be able to ask this question either. I work in an after-school program for kindergarten to fifth grade. My program this year has been implementing a curriculum for specific STEM and craft projects within the last month. They use chopsticks as part of a challenge, as well as replacing a project with chopsticks painting this week. As someone who is one of, I think, possibly two Asians who work at this company, and I have to implement this curriculum since I'm a curriculum specialist. By the way, this is a brand new position this year. I can't put into words how I feel about the usage of chopsticks into our program, which is held in a predominantly white populated town. I understand integrating different cultures, though I'm not sure if it is being done well. The first challenge and introduction of chopsticks was using chopsticks to transfer certain colored palms into a bowl. Then the chopstick painting layer was introduced, and I guess I could understand maybe getting a different texture or stroke from it, though I'm not seeing a point they could be trying to get across implementing that into the curriculum. There was another incident where we drew our hand and arm onto a paper and used a henna stencil to recreate henna on paper before Thanksgiving on a full day program. I know while I know while at certain points in the past, henna became a trend, I understand that henna is used in ceremonies like weddings, and it does feel a bit whitewashed to implement that craft into our program. Do you have any thoughts about this and how to best approach my boss with thoughts, which I'm still trying to have words for? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I really appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys creating a podcast to delve deeper into subjects. Best, best Jules. They, them pronouns. Thanks, Jules, for writing in. Um, uh, thanks for writing in, Jules. Um, I think you are in a particularly unique position in that you are a curriculum specialist. So I feel like you have a hand in how information is disseminated to the kids. Um, and in, if that's the case, then I would probably say if you're going to be using different tools and implements to integrate into the curriculum, I would 
probably advise that there be just like a little bit of an introduction as to what that is and its cultural significance to whatever culture it, it came from. And it doesn't, you know, I think a lot of people have this really huge misconception about what I say and they think that I think anything that has other cultures involved requires this like, you know, dissertation to be delivered to before it's, no. Hey, we're using chopsticks. If you don't know, chopsticks come from Asia and they're, you know, used in Asian countries to eat, like just like how we have, I mean, these are kids, you know, so you say like, just like we use forks and spoons in a lot of Asian countries, they use chopsticks. Have you ever used chopsticks? Well, today we're going to use them in a different way and we're going to use them to paint. You know what I mean? Like as long as I think if you give them the information that the accurate information and then, you know, make something creative from that, I don't consider that to be appropriative. I don't, at all. At all. I think it's, you know, as long as you are very demonstrative in in what it is i i don't see a problem with it to be honest i agree with the chopsticks the henna i feel a little differently about the henna because it's more Cause, sacred yeah because i feel like this one specifically feels like oh you know even if they were to give background on it it would still be them them being like oh it's sacred to this culture but we're gonna use it as like temporary ink right and that part does feel a little appropriation -y I, yeah to me. i don't disagree with that yeah. i just i don't disagree with that i think with the the chopsticks i think that's one thing yeah um, so that's just like an eating utensil, like right. getting them to use it, like putting the palms in the thing. Like that's kind of just like teaching dexterity kids how to dexterity. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The painting thing, well, maybe a little bit iffy, but still, I don't think it's but anything bad. But I feel like bad. they could have just as easily used anything else. Like yeah. they have like puffy paint that mm -hmm. comes out of like a little tube. Like they could have, yep. they could have so done that. So the chopstick thing of the painting to me is a little bit weird. Yeah. But the henna thing does kind of feel like that's a little inappropriate. Yeah, I might, I might agree with that. Well, see, we agreed. Blowing our fucking minds every day. <laughs> we agree often. I know we, we really just like do. to bicker. Oh, do we? <laughs> do we like to bicker? Um, but I thanks like again. to instigate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We both like to bicker. But thanks again, Jules, for writing in. Um, and I think it's really important for you as an educator to to be mindful of those things. So I think you're doing. Yeah. I think you're doing all the right things. I think you are doing all the right things. Uh, next, hello. I'm greatly in need of some advice. My wife and I've been married almost two years on paper and one year since ceremony. I recently found out, invasion of privacy on my part, uh-oh, that she will leave me in a couple of years when she gets her citizenship. <laughs> we, <laughs> How did you find that out? How did they find it out? We had a fight recently and she was being distant with me, so I went through her messages on her phone. She doesn't have a lock code on her phone. That does not mean, anyway. <laughs> In her text with her sister, she mentioned- I think they were just trying to illustrate that like they didn't do anything super sneaky to do it. It was just like a thing of convenience, which I'm not mm, agreeing with. Barriers of privacy- No, uh, I agree. Yeah, right, okay. I agree. Uh, in her text with her sister, she mentioned that she would leave me in two years and she even sent a screenshot of a coworker texting her compliments on her looks. There are no, uh, There's no other proof of any other conversation with coworker. Maybe it's through teams at work. My heart sank to the floor after reading these messages with her sister. I've had sleepless nights thinking about this. I've kept this to myself and haven't told anyone. Except, except the world. Except the internet. Except the world. We eventually made up and everything went back to normal, or at least I thought it did. However, my wife recently texted her sister. Oh, so you're continuing to go through. Yeah. Uh, asking her sister uh, her social security so that my wife can make her the beneficiary for her, ins her insurance at work instead of me. Now I have no idea what to do or what steps I need to take. Should I confront her and admit that I've read her messages? Should I, should we seek marriage counseling? Should I talk to a divorce lawyer? A lot going so on So they here. write that they eventually made up and I'm guessing from the fight, but it's not really explained if the text with the sister happened before or, or after during the, the yeah after the fight. I text my sister shit all the time. I'm like, I swear to God, I'm gonna murder my husband. I'm not gonna murder my husband, but you know, these are all euphemisms. But I don't know that like, I swear I'm gonna leave him in two years to get citizenship is a euphemism. <laughs> no, that sounds like uh, that's very. I've been thinking that's about very this. specific, yeah. or not even just I've been thinking about this, or like this was my plan all along. I don't know. I don't know. I would look at the rest of the marriage if things don't feel genuine if you feel like there isn't love in there i don't know i can get a little vindictive i would take that text to an immigration lawyer damn that's oh that's, i was i don't know um what would i do you're using me for a green card and you admitted it and you're actively thinking about it all the time no 
no, no, no. We're going to get this marriage annulled and you're going to get kicked out of this What country. if he like really loves her and wants to try to make it work? We don't know if it's a he, but probably. No, maybe. we don't. But even if they do really love them, this is this is sad. I you're, know. You're not gonna true. you're not gonna convince them to love you. You might, but like, do you really want someone who got into a marriage with you to use no, you? No, of course not. Like, I, you deserve better. You deserve better. Be vindictive sometimes. That's always Ed's answer. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What would you do? <clears throat> I don't mm, know. You're thinking faith. <laughs> I was making it. I don't know. Only because like I would probably, I don't know. Cause it's really difficult. Cause number one, you have to admit that you went through their phone. I feel like that pales in comparison to I'm using you for a green card. Well, the reason I say that is because if I said now, maybe I'm getting a little too deep into this. If I said, I'm going through, I went through your phone and I found your text messages it could very easily be like, well, this is one of the reasons why I want to leave you because you don't trust me and you treat me like this and you go through my shit and you make me feel like I have no privacy of my own. Why wouldn't I want to leave you? Oh, well, that makes sense too. Yes, we'll let the courts decide. <laughs> so then I would think like, oh, I better find out more information that she planned this before so that she can't say that it's because of this, yeah. that, that, you know what I mean? That is so a good, that is you got to go deeper. Yeah, yeah, you got to yeah. think so two steps went, ahead. So you have to, you have to go through her phone even more. You got to find shit before that, that proves that she would have said yeah. and done so that So go before. back into her phone and scroll so far up. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. But sometimes that part does have to be said. If he, if this person has been going through their wife's phone this whole time, that's one thing. Right. But sometimes people are like, you went through my phone. It's like, but you gave me reason, reason to go through your phone. But what was the reason? They were distant? Well, that's what I mean. They don't really tell that part because it could have been from the fight and they were just being vindictive. Or it could have been like for a couple of years now, they've been like, something is off. <sighs> and this fight really is like making me question the relationship. You know what I mean? We don't know those details. So I say we don't, you know, skewer them for going through their phone. But I don't know. Privacy is privacy is a big very, thing for I me. I do agree. I do agree. There's but a difference between secrecy and privacy. I'm a very firm believer in that. Do you allow your husband free access to your phone? Yeah. Yeah. See, she she didn't. There there are no locks on her phone. They there's no locks on their phone. So we don't know that they don't. We don't. But I feel like it's probably less toxic in your marriage to just be open and honest. I just don't go through my husband's phone. I don't care. I'm like, yeah, you're gonna have a girlfriend? Leave her or leave me, go. <laughs> I fucking dare you. <laughs> See you later, dude. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I Yeah, I trust my husband maybe too much. Yeah, he, no, he but, but I feel like that's a healthy way. You know yeah. what I mean? Yes, you shouldn't be going through each other's phone, but yeah. if you're being shady. My husband has told me the code for his phone a dozen times. I can never remember it. I'm like, what is it again? He's like, well, at least I know you'll never go through my phone. I'm like, I don't think I could or if I wanted to. Or this is a very good ruse. I mean, yeah, right. What's How your phone again? Yeah, I'm playing chess, <laughs> yeah. sir. You're over here playing checkers. Uh, good times. <laughs> Next one. Oh, this one's sad. Every holiday, I'm bombarded with images of happy, smiling people spending time with their families. My parents don't speak English and aren't open to new ideas, so I'm unable to talk with them. And I also don't have any friends. I don't have anyone to talk with. Oh. Anyone have any advice for how to not feel lonely and depressed during the holiday season? First, before you go into what you say, I will tell you this much. So much of what I see when it comes to the holidays and how happy everybody is, is so fake. And I can tell you this from personal experience, Taking like, we don't even do this anymore because it's so enraging, or at least it used to be. The holiday photos. Holiday photos. We, we have friends who like set up like this, this photographer. We all go to like the same place and the, the families kind of wait their turn and we all go take fun with photos or whatever. There is so much yelling. There is so much, God damn it, stand over here and fucking smile. <laughs> Hold the fucking bear higher. Hold the bear higher. You know what I mean? It's like, there is nothing jolly about that experience. Nobody is having fun. Everybody is sweating through their matching outfits. So please understand much like much of what we see on television and on the internet and in our little perfect Christmas cards, a lot of it is not real. And a lot of the joy is, is, 
is fake and completely so fake. manufactured because we want to create these image of images of perfect family relationships and holiday spirit and cheer and Behind that is a sweating mom and a dad who's just disconnected and kids who are miserable. Uh, you know what I mean? Not always. So much eye rolling. So much eye rolling and a photographer who's like doing a squeaky toy to try to get the baby to fucking look. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, I know it may feel like this to you. But remember, on the other side of that, it's it's a lot of it is just fucking smoke and mirrors anyway. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I know on camera on social media on tv it looks great these like families interacting but like when you think about it I, and i know this isn't for everyone but maybe it's because i'm an introvert with high anxiety but like when i'm around people i am anxious the whole time mm -hmm. i hate it i hate going to people's families i hate going to my family i hate being like oh hey like okay cool 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 cool, cool. <laughs> i don't really care what happened to you but i'm gonna ask and like pretend <laughs> i care and like i really just want to go home i really just want to eat go take a shit and leave like go right. to sleep and hug my dogs you know right. what i mean but so, we don't want to dismiss how you feel. No, That's no, no, obviously, of course. You know, I don't want to dismiss the fact that you are feeling the way that you feel because that is absolutely yeah. so valid. And I, I know but, that. But I know the feeling. Like yeah. sometimes when you're looking at those things, you're like thinking about what you don't have and you like forget some of the realities of right. stuff. And I'm not saying that you feel that. But I don't know. The last there's been within the last like five, six years, I've actually had to spend Christmas by myself a couple times. And the first time. The thought of it was really depressing because mm. it wasn't it wasn't on it wasn't my choice. My roommate was leaving to go visit his family. Um, my family hadn't moved to L.A. yet from Chicago, like my aunt's family and my cousin mm. who, you know, my mom's best friend's uh, son who had the baby that, you know, I spent Thanksgiving with, you know, they had at those times like they just had a baby. And I was just like, you know, I think they had like um, my cousin's wife was family was visiting. So I was just like, you know, I'm going to leave it alone. And so I like chose to spend Christmas by myself. And I had to learn to change the narrative from being like, this is depressing to being like, no, this is going to be like looking for the silver lining, being like, this yeah. is going to be great because like I work every day, you know, I, I had the shop and you know, the gallery. So I was like, I have to work every day. I was like, I'm constantly having to worry about something. I was like, this is the one day that I'm not going to have any, any responsibilities. Responsibility. Yeah. And then I no even thought to myself, I was like, you know what? I don't even have to eat Christmas food. I was like, you know what I haven't had in a while? Fried chicken. I was like, delicious pizza. Mm. So then I bought like two pizzas. I love a Christmas pizza. Yeah, I bought two Chris two pizzas on Christmas <laughs> Eve because I, I didn't want people to work on Christmas, you know? Yeah. So I like, ordered two large pizzas. And between the Christmas Eve evening until the end of Christmas Day, every time I got hungry, I just warmed up a slice or two of pizza. I watched <laughs> movies. I cuddled with my dog. I yeah. played video games. Like, I didn't have to be responsible for anything. Right. And when I stopped thinking about what I was missing out on, and tried to turn it into what the day I wanted, the sadness kind of went away. And yeah. it went to the point where like the next Christmas, when my roommate was gone again, I like chose not to do anything. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I really enjoyed eating pizza all day and not putting on clothes right. and not doing anything. anything. Yeah, God, I've like, had I didn't have like to that ask for years. anybody how they're doing. Like, oh, Merry Christmas. Like, what's you? Oh, cool, 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 cool. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't yeah. have to do any of that. So, like, I'm not saying that you might, I'm, again, not trying to dismiss sure. their feelings or anything like that, but, like, try to th not think about what you're missing out on. Plan something that yeah. it was fun for you to do. Do something for you. Yeah. Yeah. Make it, like, a spa day for you in your right. in mentally, you know? Right. Oh. oh. The oh. beginning of this one is you, hilarious. You read it. I don't want to say that. <laughs> I hate my white father-in-law. Content warning, he's a bully who belittles others, so there's going to be examples of him being dismissive and toxic. Oh, okay. I, 27 Filipina female, have been with my husband, 27 white male, since high school. We married right after college. His dad has always been one of those white guys that feign liberalism, but actually treats people of color and working class folks poorly. Red flag. Yep. Everything about him is white savior and virtue signaling. He teaches at a community college and his rate my professor is atrocious because he believes community college is beneath him to teach at and talk shit about his students to us all the time. Ew. He also bullies them and looks down on them. 
He undermines and belittles everything I do. When I got a job, instead of congratulating me, he thanked my sister-in-law's husband for telling his mom to get me a job, despite the fact that she had nothing to do with it and she was long retired from the company. Even my sister-in-law's husband called out my father-in-law for it because it was incredibly rude. He has a long paper trail of always undermining and dismissing me. He also loves pitting my husband and me against my sister-in-law and her husband, despite the fact that none of us want to compete. It'll also be always an unfair competition since my sister-in-law's husband comes from an extremely wealthy family and is white, whereas I'm an immigrant and grew up working class. And no, it doesn't impress him that I graduated from the same prestigious uni as them, despite having less growing up. That doesn't phase him at all. My husband has always been passive all of his life, but after his dad and I got into an argument about laundry, he was crashing at the night at our place since he's been alone ever since his wife has been three states away. And the father-in-law lied and told my mother-in-law that I started the conflict. By the way, my amazing mother-in-law has since apologized to me. I adore her so much. My husband has no choice but to confront his dad. My father-in-law is currently stonewalling my husband, and I feel so bad because my husband who's always so kind and compassionate, is going through so much because of me. He keeps saying I'm worth it, and this is something he has to do. Anyone have any advice? What can I do to make things easier for my husband? Should I just tell him to give up the fight? Thank you in advance. Fuck no. What? Also, it's not because of you. It's because of his dad. Yeah, exactly. You're just... I mean, let's be honest. I don't imagine that the dad is that awesome with his kids. You know what I mean? If he can be that way, I feel like you are purely just like a symptom of a greater problem. And now everything's just kind of focused on you right now. But obviously, like, I think your husband has got some shit to work out with his dad. Let him. Fucking let him. And and if this is something that, if you say that your husband has been passive his whole life, well, here's an opportunity to not be. And what better opportunity than to do it, you know, on behalf of his wife, who he should have been defending from the beginning and should have never let this get as far as it already has. Cause Correct. it sounds like this has been a pattern of behavior of his yep. for as long as you've been together. And so to, the thing is, is like to passively watch as somebody in your life belittles a person that you love in this kind of way. Especially your your spouse wife, and family. Or you know what I mean? Like to watch that happen and to not say anything if it comes to a head and fucking crashes and burns, so be it. Cause it's a long time coming if you ask me. And it could have been taken care of a long time ago, but your husband chose not to. So now's the fucking time. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, honestly, that would have been a red flag for me to even get married. Get married. Yeah. No. Yeah. Because no it's way. like one, it's one thing to be passive against me up to a certain point. Yeah. But what about the future kids? Yeah. I broke up with my college boyfriend because of his parents. Yeah. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. The, the, and they were Korean and they were fucking awful to me. And I was like, you know what? You haven't said shit to them. You've never defended me to them. Fuck you. Fuck them. See you later. I'm fucking out. I'm not doing this. I'm yeah. not letting you do this to me. Fuck you. That's why the ex-girlfriend that I dated for like six years, like I had a hard time pulling the trigger with them because yeah. like her family wasn't, they weren't racist or rude, but there was like a lot of microaggressions yeah. and weird stuff. And I was like, I'm, I'm not dealing with this. I'm dealing with, I will deal with this. It, but I'm not, not, you're not doing that to my kids. Absolutely fucking and not. I'm going to be the asshole if I'm like, nope, you can't take the kids to see your family because like, I'm the asshole. But also you shouldn't deal with it either. Like just because you can take it doesn't mean you yeah. should. Yep. Fuck that. I Bye. agree. Well, I mean, you're already kind of yeah. deep into it because you're already married. So but if it doesn't sound like they have kids, there's divorce. Not as messy. That's not always the answer. I know, I know. But- I would say this, if he's gonna, if he's willing to stand up, stand up for you now, this will be hopefully, you know, just a change of character for him yep. in that way. And, and you know, you two can go forward together. Yeah, I say now is the judgment time. Yeah. See how he acts, right. have the conversation with him now of how it affects you and how it's gonna affect your, if you don't already have kids, your potential kids, right. and see how he reacts and go from there. Yeah, maybe they don't even want kids, but still. Yeah. Do you want that for your life every time you're around that part of your family yeah. that you're just always uncomfortable and annoyed and like angry? No. Because we could we could be hopeful for karma, but sometimes those people, they are so miserable, they like hold on to life yeah. for dear and life. Karma is sometimes slow. So slow. Sometimes just be oh, karma. Long burns. Please help. <laughs> My partner keeps asking me to promise him I will never marry anyone else <laughs> if he dies. No matter what? <laughs> Wait, Possessive much? 
We are 25 and 28. We are healthy. We are engaged. Healthy physically. Yeah, right. <laughs> this conversation has caused me to cry from stress and grief in the past. He promised he would not bring it up again because it wasn't fair to ask this. He is convinced his soul will... <laughs> Sorry. He's convinced his soul will be heartbroken. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. He brought it up for the third time. He says he has trauma and has watched this happen so many times to others. Watch, okay, watch what, what? He is, <laughs> he is telling me I don't love him and he doesn't feel safe if I don't make him this promise. I'm sick of having to sit here and imagine him dying and what I would do. Abort, abort. Jump, Abort. Jump ship, babe. Yeah. You gotta go. I'm sorry. That's crazy. So, he, wait. He has it in him to visualize himself non-existent as a soul, but he can't use that same energy to try to humanize the other person and what right. it's like living with the loss of their life and then having, like, imagine he died tomorrow. You expect her to live for the next, like, 60 years alone right. because you're insecure. Well, I, or, so or you are so self-aggrandized. Like, I'm so great. You can never get, you can't do this to me. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Also, what is this? He says he has trauma and has watched this happen so many t right. times. Right, that's other what I'm watch saying. Watch what? You're, you watch somebody's no. You watch somebody's spirit get sad. <laughs> you watch a ghost get sad because they marry somebody. Sir, come. What are you? Hello. He's literally just describing the movie Ghost. That was so good, actually. <laughs> I just watched it the other night. I forgot how good it was. It's so, I cried so hard. It was so funny. I, it's a perspective. Let's, so we'll circle back to Ghost in a second. Okay, because I was what like... Just, what just happened here? <laughs> Susie just went through a, a journey of emotions on her own. I, I want to circle back to that in a second. But... But projecting onto somebody how insecure you are at the idea of them being with somebody else that even in your death, you can't handle the thought tells me a lot about what your marriage is going to yeah, be like. I'll, oh my God. Poor. If he can't, what if somebody smiles at you at a restaurant? What if, like I've, I've sat at bars before and my husband will go up and like go to the restroom or something and a man will approach me and talk to me and my husband will come up and he's just like, so what you guys talk about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like knowing that, like obviously oh, nothing hi. is gonna joining us tonight. Right. <laughs> yeah, and he has a great you know way about you know dealing with things like that. But I don't feel like you in that situation will have as favorable an outcome. And I don't think that you're gonna be able to live a normal, healthy life in a relationship with somebody who is secure enough to like yeah. let you live. Look, like oh my this god, this isn't even that long of a story, and it screams two of the worst red flags in any relationship, mm -hmm. insecurity and selfishness. Yes. Those are literally the two worst traits to have in a partner. Because all of those things breed other things, right? Yes. Like mistrust and things yep. like that. And then you start going through your phone. You see where I'm yep. going. They, they these people are, people who are insecure and selfish will justify anything, anything. for their own selfish reasons. Right. And that is not a relationship you want to be in for the rest of your life. No, and you're, you're still young. This you one's so loud. Please leave. Yeah. So what I was going to say about ghosts, ghosts, not ghosts. Ghosts, ghosts is the show that I also like. Oh, I like things about ghosts. Anyway. Oh, the Jennifer Love Hewitt one? Oh, no, that's no, no, Ghost no. Whisperer. Yeah, no, this is the- Oh, the, ghosts, about the, the mansion. One. It's yeah, so yeah, yeah, funny. I love funny. it. The season, next season starts in February. But I, I talk about this often is like perspective shifts and like mind shifts in- when you're watching a movie, like I watched Ghost when I was young and I watched it again as an adult. And usually you identify with the protagonist or whatever. So I identify with Patrick Swayze and he dies and he's trying to like solve this mystery and like whatever. And I was like, oh, like that's kind of who I always identified with because I put myself in that position. But this time when I watched it, oh. I put myself in Demi Moore's yeah, position. I always, I always sympathize with Demi Moore. Oh, well maybe because trauma and loss and things like yeah, that. So that makes sense. Emo. <laughs> um, but I identified with her character so much this time watching it. And I guess, again, watching all the movies from my childhood now, even I just cry. I just cry the whole time. Like all the scenes where Sam comes back and she's like talking to him either like through, through just like out loud or, you know, through Otome or like whatever. I was hysterically crying because I was like the loss she was feel. And I would feel that way if it was my husband and like whatever. I was like, whoa, man. So I feel like right now I have to go back and watch all the movies that I watched 
in my childhood. The first thing I think of is Home Alone. It's oh, like when right. you're a kid, you're like, this is amazing. What a dream. I identify with Catherine O'Hare and I'm like, if yeah. I was on a plane and my eight-year-old kid was by himself, yeah. I would lose my mind. But that's the thing. As a kid, you don't really pay attention to that part of the story right. with Catherine O'Hare freaking out. Totally. And to like, being like, all right, fine. You guys take the next plane. I'm going to ride with these random strangers, which try to get there a little bit earlier. Like Poltergeist. Yeah, it is Poltergeist. Yeah. Poltergeist. <laughs> the kid is is in the thing and I, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if I was that kid and I was in the ghost world, I'd be so scared or like whatever I am now like oh my god if I was Carol Ann's mom I'd be freaking out and I would tie that rope and I would jump into the nothing I would go get my fucking kid like it's crazy Dang. now I'm wondering did I grow empathy because I always saw both sides when I saw movies or did I see both sides of movies because I have high empathy I don't know I don't know chicken or the egg chicken or the egg <laughs> so hard to know <clears throat> probably a delivery it's guy probably my yeah. yeah mailman is it wrong for me to want to break up with my partner because he's in so much debt? How much is so much? Oof. He mm. got kicked out by his family at a young age for something he had no control over, so he had to take out mm. loans for school. His credit card is maxed, and so was his line of credit. Ooh. Fast forward to today, we've had to postpone moving in together twice because I know that's going to financially strain him when we rent a place together, moving costs. We have to carefully plan our trips and cheap out, staying in two-star hotels. I sometimes have to cover for him so his credit card won't be maxed out. When he does pay me back, I sometimes tell him he owes me less than what he actually does. I've told him to spend his money smarter, use his credit less, or try to pay that off aggressively, but it's really tough. Does this make me a terrible person or someone who is ungrateful and materialistic? I know it's not his fault for being in this situation, but dating him for over a year, I feel like it's going to affect our relationship in the long run. It will. Possibly. Um, I feel like we're going to differ on this. Financial literacy is very difficult, and it's not something that everybody just knows. Um, and it should be taught in school because it's not. Right. My ex-husband was not great with money, and we fought about it all the time. All the time. We didn't. We weren't married for very long, but we fought about it even before we were married. And that was actually, if if we come down to it, probably the reason because not just because of the money, it was because I knew that I would have to be responsible for everything forever. And that it would be my responsibility to make sure that our fi our family's finances were always taken care of. And that is a huge burden for one person to have to take care of. I know that like, you know, the head of the household, blah, blah, whatever. I, I look at it more at like, it should be a partnership because it's so much to have to, to think about, you know, in a family household, like it's so crazy. There's so, there's so many things you have to think about. And to know that I was going into it with somebody who not didn't care, but just didn't have the ability to like really help me. I was like, I, I'm out. I can't, I don't want to, I don't, if we have bring kids into this, like I'm going to be so scary. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like it depends on like, cause your example was your ex was just bad with money. Yeah. I can't tell if this person is bad with their money or they're just like having a hard time getting out of their shitty financial situation. Well, I think what this is telling me is that they never learned financial literacy. They never learned how to manage their finances. So if you want to take the time to teach them things, then you can do that. But that can also be very frustrating it and can. be an intense yeah. undertaking. You know, so if you wanted to do that, sure. But it just sounds like they just never learned. And then they get, you know, got down on their luck because of what they had to, how they had to survive, which I totally get and absolutely understand how that can happen. It can happen to anybody, um, you know, but that will definitely be something that you have to commit to. Yeah, for sure. I agree. How do you set boundaries with Asian parents? Is it even possible? Great question. I am, says 1 a.m., <laughs> <laughs> I am 35 years old and they still talk to me like a child and don't respect my opinions. They believe they know better when it comes to everything from my health to how to raise my kids. They'll say very, very hurtful things, but won't believe that it affects other people because how can words hurt quotes? How do I love them and show my appreciation, but at the same time also protect my mental health and sanity? It's a great question. And this is something that I have personal experience with because Same. my parents are very similar. My parents are very, very loving people and they have a hard time understanding. I think culturally just like that words are very painful and can hurt. And I think what a lot of people have a hard time understanding from what I've seen is the concept of boundaries. And I think a lot of people think that boundaries are something that you tell somebody else to do. These are my boundaries. So you don't do these things. No boundaries are That's for yourself. Yeah, yeah. 
Right, no, but you set the boundary and it's on you. Mm -hmm. Mom, dad, when you tell me X, Y, and Z, I feel this way. So I'm gonna... I'm going to leave the room when you act like this, or I'm going to take myself out of the situation in order to protect myself and my sanity and my well-being. And so I'm going to walk away. It's not, you know, if you do this, I'm going to yell at you and these are your consequences. No, this is how I'm going to protect myself in this situation. These are boundaries that I set. So on this side of that boundary, this is what's going to happen for me. I can't control you anyway. Whatever you're going to do, whatever you're going to say, that's what you're going to do and say. But just know that when you do say these things, things. This is how I'm going to react. This is how I'm going to protect myself. That's, that's what boundaries are. I think a lot of people have a really misconstrued idea of what boundaries actually are. I mean, if you think about actual like boundaries too, like your house, you know, that imaginary line that goes around your house and your property. Like if someone steps on it, it's on the homeowners to be like, no, you know, second amendment rights or whatever it is. Like those are boundaries. You, it's, you could start by asking them to leave. Yeah. But, but I mean like it's on you to enforce it is my sure, point. Right. And like, I, I a hundred percent get this because my mom talks to me like a child still. And, um, to this day, my mom's famous line for almost everything is even if I told you, you wouldn't understand. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like literally like you're so young and stupid that you wouldn't even, you know what I mean? And, it wasn't healthy, but for me, my boundary was every time you do these things I ask you not to, you will watch me have a mental breakdown. You know what I mean? And it took a while. Yeah. But you have to keep enforcing it. And you once they cross that boundary, the one or two times that you let it go, you're not enforcing the boundary. And now they're thinking to myself, well, I guess this isn't something that's important to them. Right. But if you are consistent, hopefully at some point they will be like, yeah, I don't want to keep doing this. Right. Well, you know, another thing that I, I've i been doing or that I have done is, you know, she they said that they have kids and I have kids. And I model in front of my parents the way that I want to be parented to my children. Yeah, yeah. So when one of my daughters asks for something and she's not being polite about it, I'll say something like, do you think that there's a better way for you to ask me for that that will give you a better response from me? And they'll say, like, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. Can I please have more of this or whatever they say? So I'm showing my parents <clears throat> when I feel this certain way and I ask for this from you, there are very easy things that you can do to garner the response from me that you're looking for. And so they very see true. me do that with my girls and they're like, oh, <laughs> that seemed like a very easy exchange yeah. between the two of them. That seemed, and believe me, I'm not a perfect parent. No one is saying that. I'm just saying that these are the things that I've done that have helped me show my parents things that are effective in my relationships with my kids that could therefore be effective and constructive in my relationship with them. And when they see that, they say like, oh, I didn't know it wasn't something that was an option. I didn't know that that was some way that parents talk to their kids because that's not, they they were never spoken to that way. I didn't know you could do that. Right, that was really easy. And that was really effective and nobody's upset. Yeah, actually now that you mentioned that, one of the only times my mom ever apologized to me for the way she, parenting me growing up was when she watched her younger sister my aunt how she was with her kids yeah like taking them to like practices and doing Mm -hmm. all these things and like being more supportive and authoritarian she she one time she out of her own accord was like i just watched your aunt and she's like i'm really sorry i didn't realize that that i wasn't doing all these things that you needed and i was like oh wow okay that's something but can we make this consistent? Right. I was like, tomorrow, are you going to reset right. and go back to yourself? That is what happened. Yeah, but but there For was progress. Yeah, there was. There's progress. always a glimmer of hope. There is. There is. Yeah. Right. Hope is all we have. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So and that I, was one of the boundaries I had to set to be like, hey, once you come to a realization, that's not the. That's not it. You right. have to then actually do it. And, and there's something to say too sometimes about just acquiescing to it and being like, okay, they're not going to change. These are not behavior patterns that they are going to adopt out of nowhere in their 70s, you know? Well, unless you, like, keep yelling at them, which, no, is, which, they is, don't, that's, which has been mine. Well, you know, and, 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 you know, that's it, maybe. But I think for me, going forward in my parenting journey with my daughters has been very healing for me, where I can do the things that I didn't have the experience with with my parents, and I can kind of heal those emotional wounds that way. So yeah. that's, that's been really, which might be a me. part of the reason why I still am so demanding on my mom. Cause like, right. I don't have that healing. Right. Well, yet. Maybe anyone out there just kidding. 
Uh, did you read the last one or did I? I read the last one. Ugh, this is so long. How can we do better next time? My boyfriend and myself, both mid-20s, had a convo that probably didn't have to get so deep. Oh, I love those. Yeah. He told me he really wanted some cool candles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can see how this might have happened. Okay. He told me that he wants some really cool candles for his room, preferably a good two or three wick one. One of those big hearty ones. <laughs> And when I saw a great deal, I got two, but I decided to play it safe with the scents and chose clean smells since not everyone is a fan of extreme smells that are overpowering. I, 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 I don't people. know how long they've been dating, but I feel like you should know at yeah, this point. Right. Like yeah. if my husband gets me something that smells of roses, I'd be like, you don't know me at all. This fucking stinks. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. Um, when I told my boyfriend I'd bought him what I bought, his body language and facial expression changed as if he was really disappointed in me. He didn't tell me right off the bat why his demeanor changed, so I had to ask if I did or said something wrong. He said ex he expected me to pick, quote, cooler, more unique sense and thought I'd know him better by now. However, in my defense, <clears throat> I've only ever seen him light, <laughs> clean, delicate candle scents, so how was I supposed to know that he wanted something extreme? The store was also closing, so I had to decide really quickly on what I wanted to buy and then decide later at home if I wanted to exchange for a different scent. I'm really a really indecisive person. I'm just confused because he requested something with very little details. I feel deeply saddened that I had disappointed him and with my original selection. I expressed that I felt I can't do anything right as his girlfriend. Okay, that that's a little extreme. Because he had seemed so annoyed with me in the morning to, too when I called him to tell him about the crazy dream that I had of me and him. And he neither confirmed nor denied that. The convo resulted in him speaking in an annoyed to tone with me saying he expected better from me. <laughs> this, is, this is getting a little, okay, wait. Which caused me to cry a little because all I wanted was to surprise him with the candle that <laughs> as he requested, but just ended up disappointing and annoying him instead. The convo ended with me asking for some time to reflect, and he said, okay, and just hung up without me saying goodbye. Can I get an opinion on what I could have done better, and was his reaction warranted? Thank you. So if you ask me my opinion, I think this isn't about, obviously this is not about candles. I think when people fight about things that are kind of trivial like this, it's about a greater symptom, and what I think he was trying to communicate is like, I don't feel like you are learning and understanding me in the ways that I want you to. And so I'm going to lash out and make this about candles when it's really just about connection. I don't feel like we're connecting. And then for her to cry about it, instead of being like, well, how can I better understand what it is that you need from me? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like communicating is so important and like being passive aggressive. There was a lot of passive aggressive shit in here. Like I'm trying to tell him about my dream and then he's just like, whatever. It's like, what are we doing? Um, how old did they say they were? Early, um, 20s, mid 20s. I didn't, oh, right, right, right. As myself personally, as someone who's neurodivergent, I sometimes tend to get really overwhelmed when expectation and reality don't line up. Yes, but do you put that on the person or do you put that on yourself for not voicing what no. those expectations are? Sometimes my initial reaction is to just get upset about the whole situation. And sometimes it comes off like I'm upset at the person, but I'm really just upset and I need to emote and understand to be able to kind of process it. So then what is your plan of course of action? Is it you have to separate or do you have a conversation about it in, in the moment? I haven't quite figured that one out yet. <laughs> well, things to work on. We can but, always work on things. But, but I think the best route, it, I think it depends on per person or the situation even. Sometimes cool. you do need to talk it out just to get the understanding, but then maybe even mix both. Then you need, you need to really, you have to have this part where you do the self-reflecting and you need to like, tell a different narrative than the one that you're hyper-focusing on. Right. Like I tend to hyper-focus on like the disappointment, the disappointment, the disappointment. And then it's not until I step away that I start to see the other factors and I have to tell myself a different narrative well, than the one I focused on. Because the question is then not why what I'm upset at, it's what am I really upset at? Why am I really upset? That That is the core of like what I ask myself every time my husband and I have any kind of whatever, negative conversation, a fight, whatever it is. What am I really mad at, right? Like he when he puts the fucking sponge in the fucking sink instead of hanging it on the fucking sponge hanger. What am I really upset at? I'm upset that I've requested this for, of him. P.S. That video was like a year old. It still happens. <laughs> okay. It's still happening. What am I really upset at? 
am I really upset at the sponge? Kind of, but I'm really upset because he doesn't listen. I've asked him for something so small that I feel like this is almost some kind of retaliatory action that he's taking like, against me. Or like blatant disrespect. Because at this point, I feel like you're fighting back and you're kind of trying to prove a point. I see is that. Is that what's really happening? I can see that. So, so I have to ask myself, am I really upset at this? Or like when my daughters do something that upset me, what am I really upset at? I'm upset because I have made this request of them or I'm upset because I know she knows better than this. I'm upset because I feel like X, Y, and Z or whatever. And that, that is how I try to navigate through my relationships. What am I really mad? I'm mad at that. I, I'm really mad that I don't have time. I'm really upset that I have so, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm really upset that I feel like I can't do anything right. Cause I'm doing so many things. That's what I'm really upset at. That's the greater component mm. to what is aggravating all of these scenarios and situations. So you know, ask your, ask him to ask himself, are you really mad at the candles? Is this, is it about candles or is it, are you upset that you feel like I don't actually pay attention to the things that you like? Also listening to you and then listening to what I said and rethinking the situation. I think a lot of it also seems to do with the narratives we impose yes, onto things. That absolutely. Are done. And I think that's why telling yourself a different narrative is probably something you should also do while also telling yourself what you're mad at. Right. Because once you tell yourself what you're mad at, you're able to start reassessing the situation from outside of your perspective. And then you're able to see that like, oh, you know what? Maybe my husband just like, this isn't something he cares. Like his brain does, right. doesn't He's just register. so hyper-focused on something that's more important in right. the moment. or something else. But no, this is okay. important to me because like, I'm the one having it, you know what I right. mean? So like, sometimes there are those things. Yes. And I, but I, but I, especially I think people who are very aware or, and I think that's where the expectation is for me is that like I have this expectation that things are going to go well or it's going to go this way or I'm going to get this thing. And then when it doesn't, the narrative of disappointment, yes. the they're not going to care. Like that's what I really focus on that I think right. I'm just starting to notice. Yeah. So tell yourself a different narrative. Right. After you really focus on like what it is about the situation that you're actually mad at. Right. And also I think in any situation offering just the smallest bit of empathy to the person who for whom you feel offended by or hurt by or whatever, I think goes a long way. You know, like why, why does my boyfriend feel so sad about that? Why did it upset him so much that something as small and insignificant as a candle would make him this upset that we have had a three day fight? Yeah. You know, and, and ask yourself like, how can I be more empathetic to him in this situation and, and get to the root of what this really means yeah. to him? You know, I think that's, that's something that I, that's an approach I would take. And the healthiest way to do that, which is I think the hard part is to have, do all of that before you react. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? If he had done this before he started putting on the narrative that it's because you don't listen, you don't care for me, like none of this would have happened. Right. And that's the hardest part I agree. that we are all trying to learn to do. Hopefully, I mean, I feel like I always get something out of these. Like I always feel like when I am listening to you give your perspective or like when I'm talking about things, like I'm really kind of working them out in my own yeah. space and as in my own head. Just this last yeah, one. yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. we both are like, oh. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I think just as much as this, hopefully, maybe potentially helped anybody out there, I know that it always helps me to talk things out like this. For sure. So hopefully whoever wrote in or if you're listening in, this this gave you a little bit of insight on, I don't know, something. <laughs> Some shit. I don't fucking know. If not, at the very least, entertaining because you're like, what are these two talking and about? And who the fuck do they think they are? <laughs> yeah. Right, Jilly? Who or are you're we? Just like, Look at this adorable face. I don't even know nothing about nothing. I'm just a dog mom. Look at this adorable face. <laughs> Hi. Anyway. On that note, uh, thank you for joining in. Has your hat been like that this whole time? This whole time. Oh I haven't moved it. Why? What is happening? <laughs> I don't know. I just looked, I just looked over. I was like, oh, you're wearing a hat. <laughs> yeah. I haven't worn a hat in a while. And that's actually funny you say that because I put it on this morning. I've actually put it on other times. I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. And then this morning I put it on. I was like, no, I haven't worn a hat in so long that it feels weird now when oh, I look at it. Maybe. Okay. And well, then I was like, you know what? I just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to. I'm just gonna wear that. You just hat. like didn't register. And then I looked over and I was like, oh, Ed's wearing a hat today. I was like, bitch, you've been sitting on this couch with him for an hour and a half. <laughs> but <laughs> that's funny. On that note, thank you for joining in with Hat Ed and Susie. <laughs> but for real, uh, thank you for joining in. Um, what normally happens here? 
Right. Uh, thank you for joining in. If you aren't already, make sure you are join our Patreon. I don't really know what the wording on that is, but make sure you Have join joined. Our, yeah. Make sure you join our Patreon to become a producer. There are different levels there, but um, we do try to give you guys some exclusive content there as well to make it, you know, valuable. But in reality, it's really helpful to us to make this podcast sustainable. It takes up a lot of our time. Um, it takes up a lot of our time. A lot of time. And effort. as much as we love doing it, it still needs, and as much as we get like the emotional and physical healing and stuff too, like. We still have bills. Yeah. Lots of bills. Yeah. Still have to keep things sustainable. So if you can, it would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow us on all of our socials. Oh, you can find me at Sue Joe on Instagram and TikTok. I don't think this one has one yet, but you can follow me at Etch a Sketch with a J, and you can follow the podcast at What in the Shiba S H I B A L. Make sure you write in with any questions, advice, stories. If you have any food ones, you know, Ooh. for our food idea that hopefully we can do after we get enough submissions, write us to at What in the Shiba S H I B A L at gmail.com. I don't know why my voice cracked there. Would you like fries <laughs> with that? <laughs> but um, thank you for joining us. Uh, make if you are watching us on YouTube. If you are watching us on YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, and ring the bells. I told you I'm tired. Ding. Otherwise, thank you for joining us, and we will see you on the next one. Okay, okay bye. bye.